Hey there, it's Dr. Heidi. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, a podcast geared towards the things you may be misunderstanding about the difficult relationships in your life. I did not understand it when I was in it, but I definitely understand it now, and I want to share that understanding with you so that you too can find the courage you didn't know you had to make the changes you didn't think you could make. Hey, everybody, welcome back. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, Rid Your Life of Toxic People. This is Dr. Heidi. Uh, today, I am, I am excited about the guest today, although I have to say, and she already knows this, I'm not very good at practicing what she teaches, so I'm working on it. Um, I am, you guys all know I'm super energetic. And so the, the thing that she's trying to teach, she's also trying to teach me, um, you know, being calm and sitting still and being present. And I had the um, opportunity to be on her podcast a couple of weeks ago. And she really made me think because I sometimes run around so fast. I, it's almost like the days disappear and you don't even realize they disappear. And then when you think back on it, you don't even know which day happened because you're in such hundred mile an hour mode that they all run together. And so it was very, and this is funny too. It was very apparent to me that I am like this. And now every time I think about getting on her um, site, she gave me to use her meditation. I'm avoiding it because I feel like it's going to make me uncomfortable. So Amy, welcome to the podcast. And now, you know, I've literally been avoiding it because I feel like, I feel like I'm scared to start doing it. And I don't, I don't know why. So um, again, thank you for being here. I'm going to read you guys her bio. Um, and then I'm going to let her go ahead and tell you a little bit more about, about what she does. Amy Natalie is an empowered coach and an embodiment guide for conscious women, spiritual seekers, and feminine leaders. She has inspired thousands of women around the world with her work centered on reconnecting women with their feminine energy and stepping into their feminine power. After going through a divorce at the age of 27, overcoming clinical depression and traveling the world, Amy broke free from her old identity, reconnected with her feminine energy and stepped into her feminine leadership. Now she guides other women to choose faith over fear and create a life that is in alignment with their soul. Welcome, Amy. Mm, thank you for having me. And to... <laughs> Even your bio sounds so calm. I'm like, she's so calm. I'm not kidding you. I, you have been, and your work has been on my mind. And like in the morning, I'm like, okay, she gave me a morning meditation. I'm going to do it. And then I'm like, well, wait, I don't have time to do that. I'll have to start that tomorrow. So we're going to have to talk again because you're going to have to literally sit me in my chair and like <laughs> make me stay there. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that there is resistance. A lot of times when we are staying busy, we're staying busy for a reason. We don't want to look at something. We don't want to be with something. We're trying to avoid things. And that's a really common way of, of avoiding the things that need to be looked at. And so when we face resistance to something, often that means there's something really good there that's available for us. And that's fear. Fear is just usually stops us from doing things that are also out of our comfort zone. So it could just be that you're not used to sitting still and you're so your, your nervous system and your body is so used to being busy all the time that it's like, what's going to happen if I actually sit still and 
what actually happens, what I find with women when we actually sit still is that we meet our real self. We get more authentic. We have more of that sense of peace and groundedness that we're searching for in our busyness. Yeah. And I'm, I am 100% sure that you're correct. And, you know, um, because the audience that I speak to obviously is, is programmed to be busy all this time or to always be on edge. We always have to anticipate what's coming because of the types of relationships that we're in. And it, it took a long time for me to actually be able to sit, just sit on the couch and watch a movie without my iPad on my lap or, you know, being in a support group or texting or, um, and now it's funny because my husband knows exactly which type of movies he can put on that I'll stop working to, but it took, it took just my brain a long time to go, you know, it's okay to not be productive all the time. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into this type of work? Yeah. So my journey really started in my early 20s. I started to experience a lot of different health issues. I was experiencing digestive issues and um, chronic uh, fatigue, and I was gaining weight. And it was also during a time in my life where I was experiencing a lot of emotional stress. And I didn't really recognize the emotional stress that I was in, but I was at the time I was married and I was living what you, some might call a picture perfect lifestyle where I was married by the age of 25. We, you know, lived together in a beautiful home. I had my own business. We had a beautiful dog. It was like this, this beautiful wedding that we had yet the emotional struggle that I was having on the inside was that I didn't feel happy. I felt like something was missing. I felt like parts of me were being suppressed. And I felt like I had made a decision and chosen into a life that actually wasn't what I truly desired or truly wanted. But I didn't know that at the time when I had made that decision. So I felt trapped. I felt like I had lost myself in a lot of ways. And I felt like I was living a life that wasn't authentic to me. But at the same time, I really cared about my, my husband at the time. And I really cared what other people thought. I cared what our families thought. I was really close to his family. I cared what our friends and our community thought. So the, the stressors that I was experiencing was living inauthentically and, and, and really kind of wearing all these masks and pretending that I was okay, but wasn't really okay. And it, I was on a journey. I was on a real journey of self-discovery of really figuring out, you know, why am I so unhappy? And I've always been really curious and, and self-aware, I would say. I went to therapy at a pretty young age and started to learn about myself. And, and when I was unhappy, I was like, well, there must be something I can do about this because this isn't this doesn't feel like how it's supposed to feel. So let me ask you this. So when you said, you know, you we all know what it what it's like to be in a relationship where from the outside it looks like it's it's picture perfect. Um so and and you may not know the answer to this, but I'm sure with all your self-reflection, you have thought about it. Did you feel like, you know, when, when you were planning the wedding and after the engagement, did you feel like, yes, this is the best answer? Or did you have a subconscious feeling that you didn't know if it was right? Or did, did you feel like, no, this is, this is right. And you figured it out later that maybe it wasn't. 
because like a lot of times you'll talk to people and they'll be like, well, I didn't, I didn't feel the thing I thought I was supposed to feel, mm -hmm. but you know, sometimes it's just the next step we're supposed to take. Cause now we're 25 and we're supposed to do this next. Yeah. Intuitively. I knew that it wasn't right. Even I would say probably a couple months before we got engaged. And I actually even voiced that or shared that with my, my partner at the time. And for one reason or another, you know, it got swept under the rug and I was too afraid to leave. And, and, and what I will share is there were, there were parts of the relationship that were really good and that felt really safe and comfortable and secure. And so the idea of leaving that and the idea of who would I be without this relationship? And what if I mess all of this up? What if I'm, what if I'm just overthinking things? What if I'm uh, thinking that I'll just be happier, like kind of the grass is always greener on the other side that I just want this perfect relationship. And what if it's me? What if I'm just too picky? What if, you know, kind of just all this inner conflict and inner dialogue that I knew before, but I was too afraid. And so I followed through with it. So for yeah. three years, I had an internal battle between this inner knowing and, and, feeling that safety and comfort and security of the relationship and the fear of, well, who am I without this? What would my life look like? And how could I mess this up? How could I ruin this, this for everyone? Mm -hmm. And I think we always carry this. Um, yeah, but, but what if what I'm looking for isn't really out there and then this is now in my past? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, because a lot of the people that are listening to you can totally relate to that. So how did you get into this work? Like when yeah, you said you so, had a business before, what was your, what was your prior business? Yeah. My business before was working with women specifically around health and nutrition. And through that work, I started to realize that while I was really passionate about health and nutrition, that in order to actually make sustainable habit and lifestyle changes, we actually had to look at psychology. We had to look at mindset. And then even deeper than that, that there is usually a spiritual component or a component where we look much deeper than even the mindset component where I talk about on the energetic level where something's off, something's out of alignment. And on my own journey, that was also my discovery was I was trying to heal my health and wellness by the nutrition and exercise and all these supplements. But emotionally, I was so stressed out that I was still having a lot of the same symptoms and I wasn't actually healing. So eventually I found meditation, which was one of the first spiritual practices. I also did a yoga teacher training. I started to do a daily meditation practice and really sat with myself and got clear on what do I really want? What makes me happy? Which of these, like, how can I start to trust my intuition, my inner knowing versus what I think I should do or what, what other people want me to do? Who am I? Who am I without all of this identity of my marriage and who other people think I am? And that was really where I continued to, to go in my personal development journey and eventually made the most challenging decision I had ever made, built up the courage to leave my marriage. And, and I will say very quickly after that, things started to fall into place. All of the things that I had written down that I really wanted, that I want, how I wanted my life to look, how I wanted my life to feel, the friends that I wanted to have, the, the business growth that I wanted to have, the types of clients I wanted to work with, 
the lifestyle I wanted to have all started to fall into place when I finally trusted myself and had the confidence to take action on it. And it didn't happen overnight and it wasn't perfect the whole time. There were challenges that came up, but it was amazing when I let go of the resistance to the truth and I actually listened to it, how, how everything actually unfolded the way that it did. Yeah. And you know what? I love the point that, that you made about how you, you actually started the self-discovery process while you were in something that you were unsure about, because I think a lot of times we feel like, okay, well, as soon as this is over, or as soon as we get to here, or as soon as then we'll spend the time on ourselves. And, you know, we, you and I both work with clients and it, it has to be a congruent type thing, because honestly, you, you would maybe never have come to that decision that soon if you wouldn't have put the self-discovery time in to help you make that decision. Totally. Yeah. And what I would say, because of the nature of toxic relationships, which is what you're talking about, which was not my personal circumstance, mm-hmm. but there are some times where you got to get out of there for your own health and safety. I, I got to hear your story and your journey and how a lot of your discovery was after you got out of the relationship. Everyone's situation is different, but I would say that, you know, starting the work doesn't have to wait until after you make a decision and actually doing this work helps you to be more clear and more confident in the direction that you want to go. And I think um, you're, you're exactly right. Um, I kind of already forgot that you had heard my story. It was so ridiculously chaotic all the time that there, there just wasn't there wasn't a minute in my day that I could think, okay, what do I need to do for myself? Or how can I take care of myself? And I was just like you, my health was, was, you know, going down, but at the same time, I didn't have time to be sick. I didn't have time to be injured. I didn't have time to sleep. And so, so for the people that are listening, because self-care, when somebody says, you know, you just need to love yourself more, or you just need to take better care of yourself. When people would tell me that, I would literally feel like laughing because like, I didn't, I didn't even know where to start with that. So for, for some of the people that are still in it and are thinking, okay, I need to make a decision, but I have to start taking care of myself. And I'm sure that you're going to talk about this anyway, but what are some of the first very elementary steps that people can do if they don't have time to sit down and meditate or, you know, what are some of the elementary things? And then we'll talk about, you know, some of the other stuff and what, what you all do with your work. Mm -hmm. I would first start with the mindset piece because I could give you all the tips in the world, but if someone doesn't feel like they are worthy of taking the time for themselves and they're pouring their time and energy into other people and don't value themselves, then that is something that we have to look at. You're never going to do the the self-care if you don't actually believe that you're worthy of doing it. So one of the things that I would say is that when you take care of yourself, it actually allows you to give more. When you are giving from an empty cup, when you are giving from empty on your, like if you were on your gas tank and you, you were on empty and you were trying to give more from that place, the quality of what you're going to be able to give, whether that's your presence, your love, your time, your energy, your attention, whatever you're giving is going to be a lot lower than if you fill your tank, even if it's a quarter of a tank just to start and give from that place, you're going to have a lot more to give. So sometimes just having that perspective and knowing that 
yes, it is about you, but it's also about the people that you love. And it's a misconception that if you take care of yourself, that it's taking away from you being a good person or you, you caring about other people. And for me, I, I see worthiness as a choice. And worthiness means that you have innate value, that you believe that you have value to offer. And it's my belief, and this is a spiritual belief, it's not a religious belief, but it's my belief that if you are alive right now, if your heart is beating, if your soul chose to be here, if God put you on this earth right now, that alone means that you're meant to be here. You wouldn't be here if you weren't meant to be here. So you have value to offer, whether you can see that or not. And you have to start seeing that for yourself. And when you start valuing yourself, you will start to take care of yourself better because you, you will see that, oh, I can give more. I can be a better person. I can provide more when I am filled up. So that step one, was there anything you wanted to add before we move forward? Yeah. So step one is mindset. So we can say, okay, we have to, we have to know that we're worthy and we have to know that we can take care of ourselves, but give us two examples of how somebody who has no idea what it looks like to take care of themselves. What is, what is an example that they can do to start taking care of themselves, to start changing that mindset? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people think of it as, oh, well, self-care. Okay. I should go get a facial. I should go get my nails done. I need to go get a massage. I need to spend all of this money to do these things and spend all of this time on myself. I would really just start small. If you're not spending one minute of the day on yourself, I would start by spending five minutes and that can be going for a walk without your phone, putting your phone down, going outside and going for a walk without kids grabbing onto you, without someone being able to reach you on the phone, without answering emails, like literally going for a walk outside. That could be one option. Another option could be putting on some music and stretching, just taking some time. You don't, doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to be hard. You could take a few minutes and just do some stretching and some breathing. If you feel inspired to maybe try a 10 minute yoga class, you could look on YouTube. There's so many free options. You could put a yoga class on, on YouTube or a stretching class on, on YouTube. Essentially what it is, is doing something that is going to provide benefit to yourself, not focused on other people. So spending a few minutes each day connecting with what's something that might make me feel good right now, or what's something that would be a really caring, loving thing that I could do for myself. Maybe it's preparing a meal mm -hmm. or going to the grocery store. I, I don't know exactly what self-care action you need to take in order, like for you specifically, but really it's what, or maybe even imagining, you know, if I was, if I was a, my daughter, if I was my son, or if I was a little kid or someone that I really loved, how would I take care of myself right now? What's one thing I would do for myself? Cause sometimes it's hard to think about what do I need or what would feel good for me? But if you put yourself in the shoes of someone that you're, we're all really good at taking care of other people, mm -hmm. especially as women, we sometimes cross the line of too much of that. Right. And so if you can take that knowing that you know how to take care of others and turn it towards yourself, that's a really great, great way to think about it. Okay. That's good because people just need, you know, that, that one, 
that one step. So um, I skipped over something in your bio that I was going to have you come back to, and this might be completely out of order, but what it said that you, you took the time between your marriage and this business and you traveled, mm -hmm. like, was that part of the healing process that you did? I mean, obviously not all of us are going to travel the world and stuff, but I was just curious, was that part of the whole thing? Yeah. So I actually, I've done quite a bit of traveling since my divorce. And my first time that I traveled on my own was at the end of 2018. And I went to Thailand actually. So it was all the way across the world. And it was like a 10 day trip and I was terrified to do it on my own, but my intuition and my soul, there was something like, go, like, go do it. And that was a lot about really developing my sovereignty and my independence of really trusting that I could take care of myself and that I was resourceful and that even if anxiety came up or something else came up that I could handle it. It was, it was kind of like a deepening of trust with myself. And so that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned while I was traveling in Thailand. And like you said, not everyone needs to travel the world to find themselves. Like you could go on a, a weekend trip or go for a hike out in nature, just get out of your own home environment and do something different is what I would recommend. Um, so you actually said exactly what, not that I was hoping you would say it, but I couldn't imagine you at, you know, 27 or 28, all of a sudden just going, okay, I'm going to travel because I figured that somewhere along the line, you were going to say that, that there was fear in it and you had to push yourself. Oh yeah. So I like tried to book the flight five times. And I remember hovering over on my key on my computer, like, am I going to buy it? And then I wouldn't buy it and I would close my computer. And then I would try again. And all the fears would come up. Like, what if I, what if I am really unhappy or what if something happens and I would have all the fear. And then eventually I felt the fear and I decided to do it anyways. <laughs> so I guess that, you know, that's what, that's what I'm saying. A lot of what, what keeps us there and obviously traveling to Thailand is a, a big thing, but, but little, you know, fears of little things keep us. So, so when you're talking about the mindset thing and the fact that there were worthy of stuff and the fact that we have the right to take care of ourselves, how, how do you instruct people to step over the fear? Because obviously I have my own way of, of telling people because there's no way to tell people it will be okay. I promise they have to figure that out themselves. So you know, talking about the fear thing, when you work with people, how do you address the, the fear of the what ifs or the fear of the unknowns? Mm -hmm. This is a huge part of my work and I'll try and condense it into an answer, but really understanding the nature of fear, understanding that fear is just your ego trying to protect you. And 99% of the time, what your ego is trying to protect you of isn't even real. It's a perceived threat that hasn't happened yet. That may not ever happen. And it is a way of your ego trying to keep you safe. Now, if you can recognize that, then you can say, instead of resisting your fear or avoiding your fear, I actually invite my clients to do this. This is part of, I think Freud came up with this this model, but it's actually being in dialogue with your fear, recognizing that the fear is a part of you. It's your ego. And sometimes even giving your fear a name. So then you personify the fear and, and you have this kind of conversation with it. And you're not like, please go away. I don't want you to be here. Like, why do you always mess things up? You're like, Hey, 
I recognize that you're scared right now. Thank you for trying to keep me safe. And I'm going to ask you to trust me on this one. Like, I got this. We're going to be okay. That's a whole different conversation than avoiding the fear and trying to get it to go away and wishing that it wasn't there because we can say, thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for trying to protect me. And like, I don't need you to do that right now. Like I got this. So that's one tool that's really helped my clients. And it seems kind of silly at first, but what it does is it separates us from the fear taking over and, and thinking that the fear is real and that it, it means the truth and just recognizing it's a part of us that's trying to protect us. So doing that. And then you know, I kind of call it like dancing with your fears. And, and again, your fear is not going to, it's not going to just go away. It's not going to not be there. A lot of people are like, oh, I'll do it when I'm not scared. Your fear is going to be there. So Mm -hmm. we kind of have to lean into it. We have to talk to it. We have to be with it. And sometimes the answer is I have this thing, if, especially like if I need to say something that feels scary or like I'm in a conversation, I'll tell, I'll say in my head, like one, two, three, go. And it's almost like you're just jumping off a cliff essentially, but on the other side, it's not really like, you're not going to die. You think you're going to die, but you're not. It's just something hard to say. And you're afraid what's going to happen. Right. And And it usually ends up being okay. (laughs) Yeah. And on the other side, it's not that scary. And then you look back and you go, oh, that wasn't that scary. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You know, I, I actually have it on a pillow in my office, but I remind people all the time, courage, courage is the heart to act in spite of fear, not in the absence of it. Mm-hmm. No. So you have to remember fear is going to be there, but I love the counting that will, mm-hmm. that would probably be a good one for me. How do you, how do you, did you keep yourself motivated to continue the self-care on the days that you felt like you, you know, backtracked or on the days that you felt like it wasn't worth it or on the days that you felt like it was too hard? How did you push through that? Nope. I'm, I'm taking care of myself and I'm going to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think once you start taking care of yourself, which is the hardest part is like getting the motive, momentum and the motivation to do it. Um, first it's a commitment. It's like, okay, I don't care what happens today. Come hell or high water. My day could be chaotic and crazy, but by the end of today, before I go to sleep, I'm going to do something for five minutes for myself. And so that's the commitment. And then falling off track or feeling like, how can I stay on track? The first is to not be hard on yourself, because if you have a day where you skip something and then you're like, oh, I'm so bad at this. I'm going backwards. Why do I always do this? You're not going to feel inspired. That's not encouraging. So give yourself some grace, figure out, maybe get curious. Why didn't I do it that day? What stopped me? Okay, cool. I can get back on track tomorrow. Um, there was something else when you asked that question around like what happens or how do we stay motivated? I, I honestly, when I work with my clients around this, around this idea of consistency is a lot of it is the self-talk is Mm -hmm. how do you talk to yourself when you, when you miss a day, because, you know, like be supportive for yourself, be encouraged be gentle with yourself. Like you're human. And I think we hold ourselves to such high standards and, and we think, oh, if I'm compassionate with myself, then I'm going to go down this spiral and I'm going to keep not doing these things. I have to be hard on myself so that I get back to doing it. But usually it doesn't work out that well when, we, when, we're, when we're being you know, really mean to ourselves. 
Yeah. And, and two, you know, it's always easier to stay in what's familiar, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll do good for a couple of days. And let's just take being on a diet. I hate the term diet, but let's just say you're on a diet and, and then you think you can have one Oreo. Well, then as soon as you have one, our minds go, well, you had one, you know, you may as well eat the whole package. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when, when you feel like you slip a little bit, you really feel like you just threw everything in the garbage. Now I'm back to square one. Or, you know, when a lot of my clients will go, um, we talk about no contact a lot because the abusive person mm-hmm. really just needs contact in order to, to continue to emotionally abuse you. So, so they do no contact really, really well for two weeks. And then, oops, there's a little bit of contact. And immediately they feel like they're back at square one when no, no, they're really not because tomorrow's a new day. And, and did you find yourself continually having to go, okay, it's really not that big a deal. We just start over. You just start again. You just, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I, I see that too, that it's just, it's holding yourself accountable rather than allowing yourself to, to slip, but it is hard. Like you would agree that it is hard. It is hard. Yeah. And I also want to share, this is what the other thing that came up was sometimes we learn through contrast. That's actually a lot of how we learn. And basically it's like, oh, when I'm doing my, when I'm taking care of myself, I feel good. When I don't take care of myself, I feel like crap. Mm -hmm. You feel like crap a few times over and over again. Eventually you're going to say, oh, I want to feel good again. Okay. What helps me to feel good? So we kind of learn that way. And eventually you, you, you have more consistent patterns and habits, but sometimes you got to fall off track and, and like, you know, hit your face on the ground to be like, oh, I'm not going to do that again. You know what? That's funny that you say that because that's, that's now how I continue to do my workouts. Cause I used to compete. Well, now if I, I find that if I don't have a, a something on the schedule, like if I don't have a goal or if I don't have this big thing that I'm working towards, I tend to kind of eat. And so now I always, the minute I say, okay, I don't feel like working out today. I always tell myself, yes, but you're going to feel so much better about yourself afterwards. And that is almost always, I'm going to say almost always, because it's not 100% of the time, but it's almost always enough to me, for me to go, oh, you're right. You are going to feel way better about yourself after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to do that too. We're all, we're all human. <laughs> totally. I, I have to, to tell myself that too. Um, so, so about, you know, the business that you run and the things that you're doing now, what kind of person can benefit from the work that you do? Like who comes to you? Who's seeking your, your um, services? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I work with, yeah, I work with, um, primarily women. So that that's first off and women who are committed to personal development, who want to improve their lives, whether that's improving their relationships, they might want to get clear on their purpose or their passions. They want to create a life that they love. And they feel like they're blocking themselves. They feel like they, they have maybe awareness of why they feel stuck or they felt stuck for a long time, but they just don't know how to get over that. And they keep running into the same patterns. And so a lot of the women that I work with have, you know, struggled with anxiety or depression or negative self-talk, um, self-doubt, lack of confidence for a really long time. And they really just need the support and guidance to learn how to shift their mindset, how to relate to themselves, create a more of a a loving relationship with themselves and to develop their confidence to create the life that they want. I believe that you can have whatever you desire that you are capable of and that you are really powerful. You can create 
whatever you want in your life. And oftentimes we are the only ones that are getting in our, our way of doing yes. that. I, I agree with that. Um, so a couple things really quick. I want you to talk about um, the, a little bit about the meditation part and how, you, and how you incorporate that in. And especially for people who like myself, who feel like either I don't have time to meditate or I have too much energy to meditate, or um, just talk a little bit about meditation for the people out there that, that don't, I mean, like, what am I supposed to do? Just sit here and like sit still, or, you know, I don't know anything about it either. And again, I'm making excuses just like I did when, when we talked two weeks ago, (laughs) you can give yourself some grace. It's okay. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, so I had heard about meditation many, many times before I actually created a meditation practice. It was super uncomfortable at first. I tried it. I fell off track, et cetera. Like it didn't happen overnight. But essentially I turned to meditation because my anxiety was super high. I had a lot of overthinking and overanalyzing and just was stuck in my head all of the time. And I was exhausted of, of the mental stress that I was going through. So scientifically it, there's studies that show with brain scans that meditation helps to calm your nervous system. It helps to calm your mind down and create more of that sense of inner peace and clarity. Basically what it's doing is it's slowing down the brain waves in your mind so that you don't have that constant mental chatter over and over and over again. And we create space in between the thoughts so that we're no longer reacting to things, but we're actually able to respond from a more empowered and grounded place. So your thoughts no longer control you, but you, you can, you can connect with your thoughts and say, oh, you know, does that feel true for me? Do I want to take that action? There's more space to, to respond and be intentional. So essentially meditation is not just about sitting quietly. It's, it's learning how to watch your thoughts or observe your thoughts, which at first you're like, why would I want to sit with my own thoughts? That sounds crazy. I'm trying to get away from my thoughts all day long. That sounds horrible. (laughs) Right. And essentially what happens when you start to do a meditation practice. And and I recommend if you're, you've never meditated before one minute a day to Mm -hmm. start then two minutes a day, because you're building a muscle, you're building a skill. You've never learned how to do this before. And it's the same thing. You wouldn't go to the gym and pick up a 50 pound dumbbell right away. I'm not asking anyone to meditate for 20 minutes a day. I'm recommending one minute. And in meditation, we usually have a focal point. So either it is focusing on your breath, noticing the inhale, noticing the exhale, Or there's things called mantra-based meditations where there's a word that you focus on, or you can listen to a guided meditation where someone else is guiding you. And of course, that's the focal point, but your mind is like a monkey. It's going to want to wander to, what do I have to do next? Why am I sitting down here? I got to do all these things. It's about noticing when your mind has wandered and bringing it back to the breath or to the word or to whoever's talking. So if you've never meditated before, there's a great app. It's called Insight Timer. It's free and they have thousands of different meditations and you can look for a one minute meditation or a five minute meditation and let someone guide you through it. You don't have to just sit there silently on your own. Let someone guide you, 
And that's what I would say is the best place to start. Okay. And then, then um, it's still sitting open on my taskbar, by the way, because you do, you have like a morning meditation option, don't you? Do. So, so while we're talking about that, why don't you tell people how to get to your website and how they can find that morning mm-hmm. meditation and stuff and learn more about you? Awesome. So I have a 20 minute morning ritual, a guided ritual. And again, if 20 minutes feels like a lot, you can listen to the first five minutes and work your way up to listening to the whole thing. Um, The best way to find that is actually through my Instagram, which is Amy Natalie Co. And um, you can send me a message or it's in the link in my bio. You can also find all of my work on my website, which is amynatalieco.com. And let me see the other place that you can find my work is on the feminine frequency podcast. I had Heidi on as a guest. Her episode will be airing live very soon. So, um, those are the best ways to find me. You can send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, good. Now this is the, this is the part where we usually thank you and we sign off. Um, and I'm going to do that, but, uh, for the listeners who are, who are, really curious about the meditation. What I've asked Amy to do is we, I am going to say goodbye and we're going to sign off, but then she's going to take just one or two minutes to talk us through a closing meditation type. I don't know what to call it. Yeah. Exercise. exercise. (laughs) Closing meditation. So, so so, yes. So she's going to do that. So stay tuned so that you can, um, you can kind of get one, how she operates and to maybe pick up a practice that might only be one or two minutes. And she's going to basically give you an example of um, how this sounds and what you're supposed to be doing through it. But thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on here. I know that it is uncomfortable for me because it's literally something I have wanted to do. And then I just make excuses and I don't do it. And you're exactly right. It's, it's because I, I can, I put something else in front of it. So I promise I'm going to do this. So thank you for being here. And again, people, if, if you missed how to get a hold of her, you can get a hold of me and I'll get you her information. But now I'm just going to let Amy uh, take over and do what she does best. Okay. Awesome. So I'll preface that if you are driving, I encourage you to do this with your eyes open, or you can press pause. And when you park, you can, you can do the meditation. Uh, If you are not driving, then go ahead and close your eyes and just notice your eyelids closing. Just soften the area around your eyes, letting go of any tension in the muscles of your face, of your jaw, just noticing if there's any tightness that you've been holding on to. I want you to start to pay attention to your breath Notice where does your body move on the inhale? Maybe it's just slightly in your chest or maybe it's all the way down in your belly. Notice what the exhale feels like. Where does everything just relax? We're just going to do a short breathing exercise where we bring our awareness to the inhale and the exhale. It's okay if your mind wanders to something else. Just gently guide it back to my voice or to your breath. So we're going to slowly inhale for a count of four. We'll go ahead and inhale for one, two, three, four, and then exhale out your mouth for a count of four, three, 
two, one. We'll do that two more times. Inhale for one, two, three, four. Exhale for four, three, two, one. This time I'm not gonna count. I want you to pay attention to your breath. Inhale for a count of four. Exhale out your mouth for a count of four. One more time, just like that. Inhale for four. Exhale for four. And now I just want you to pay attention. Notice how you're feeling. Maybe just 1% calmer. Maybe you still feel jittery. It's okay. Just recognize how you're feeling. You did a great job during this meditation. I want you to think of one word of how you want to feel as you move into the rest of your day. Maybe that's calm or happy or confident. Pick one word and bring that into your heart space. Just connecting your heart with that word. And now you can take this beautiful energy that you just created into the rest of your day. Thank you for listening.